dog sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk path. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat, because we start this show like right Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Horwardell joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu? Chris. How you doing? Oh, you know, doing okay. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a real dick question to ask you, knowing what we know. But uh, I'm, I'm doing all right, and uh, things are... Things are things are okay. We have a lot of sports to talk about. We actually uh, the irony is we don't have much time and we have a lot to talk about. There is no shortage of sports related topics. The one thing I wanted to hit on before we got to anything else, my friend, was we made a joke last week. We made a joke about a thousand dollar a month Patreon. And mm-hmm. I would just like to say to I don't know if you you looked at this. Uh, the the uh, comments were brought to my attention by my significant other. As, um, as of uh, as of t- earlier, I guess the last time I checked, there were 17 comments about the Patreon on the Twitter, wow. on the uh, on the iTunesy, wow. and uh, they were overwhelmingly positive in favor of having a Patreon. Now, wow, what? Overwhelmingly, uh, a lot of people <laughs> saying. Uh, Greg says Greg on demand here on uh, on on iTunes. He says uh, if it made sense in terms of added value, I would consider it. Another person says, "What I if wonder- it doesn't add value? What if it actually? <laughs> what if it's some trash value?" Which is entirely is possible. A- <laughs> uh, another person says, "I wanted to chime in on the Patreon topic. I'm not entirely sure if this was a serious thing or not, but in case it was, I would let you know that I would happily support you boys at Underdog. I'm a huge fan of the show, and a little more access would be a great would be great. Keep trucking, uh, keep trucking Whoa. to you, Doro." Another person says huge fan. Yeah, I don't know, man. Appreciate Uh, it. uh, Another person says huge fan of the show. I'd happily support you guys if you wanted to start a Patreon. Thanks for all the great content you provided for so long. Uh, Other people say things like I'll pay $999, but not one penny more for the Patreon. That's fair. Uh, I've been listening for years and I love the show. Would would be up for $5 a month or something. One I did want to point out uh, was a gentleman by the name of Horser Few. Uh, who says, I feel extremely strongly about supporting my favorite creators and underdog. Uh, the underdog team is pretty close to the top of that list for me. Not only do I listen to underdog, but six or seven other shows uh, on the underdog network as well. I would be happy to join up if you guys opt to start a Patreon. I don't need anything special. I just want to say thanks for the years of content you've put out. Thank you so much for that comment because uh, that, that really does mean uh, a lot. That is super humbling. Appreciate that. I don't know how much of that is because of me, but uh, yeah, <laughs> either way. I would imagine. Oh, obviously. You and no, I, that's you that's and I didn't talk about this. Another person says a thousand dollars. That's a steal for more underdog. Agreed. A thousand dollars a month for Patreon access? Question mark. Sign me up! Exclamation point. Seriously though, I love the show. Uh, listening to you guys has helped me through some tough times in my life. That puts a lot of pressure on me. And uh, you know, thank you for sharing that. But uh, the, I hadn't talk to you about this in advance because i assumed that you wouldn't have read these and i wanted to get your reaction in real time so i'm gonna say something assuming that we're on the same page and if not we can take this out later but i don't think either anshu or i would be comfortable with that patreon model and if you guys have money and if you guys have money burning a hole in your pocket there are 
a lot of great charities that you can donate money to, especially in this incredibly difficult time in the world right now, who certainly needed a hell of a lot more than we do. But thank you so much for your continued support and and uh, the kind comments. Yeah, well said. Uh, what Chris is saying is we're rich, um, but no, yes. that's that's very, very, very kind of all of you. And yeah, yeah, please keep it or give it to somebody or some groups that that need it more. But yeah, that's that's awesome. It's great to know that there are people listening, and you know, and if we've helped with anything at all, obviously it's uh, it's super humbling and accidental. Yeah, yeah, certainly not on purpose. <laughs> certainly not on purpose. I want to talk about what's going on in baseball, aren't you? Um, this Jonas Cespedes thing was weird. He goes missing. Nobody knows where he is. The, the Mets put out a statement saying they do not believe that he's in any danger or anything like that. And this whole thing turns out to be a disagreement over playtime. Uh, Cespedes was angry at the Mets management for trying to prevent him, in his opinion, from triggering certain contract bonuses. He gets increasingly pissed off when he's not in the lineup for Sunday afternoon's game. He doesn't, you know, get on the bus or anything like that. Instead, he packs his bags and has his agent tell the Mets he's opting out of the season because of coronavirus-related issues. Only, you know, we know it wasn't. He's hitting 161 and had two home runs and 31 at-bats. What does this mean for the Mets? And by the way, Cespedes is crazy. <laughs> um, yes, that wasn't a question. That was, <laughs> I believe, a, a fact. Uh, yeah, I mean... I understand, you know, like it's such a fine line and, you know, this is kind of related to the NFL right now because I saw that um, there are a couple of players that are able to opt out and preserve their deals, you know, and basically postpone their payment for yep. a year. Um, and, you know, the idea of, I think John James is a, is a really good example to tackle for uh, the Denver Broncos who will be able to basically realize his money in full next year instead of potentially risking being cut at some point or not reaching certain milestones in his deal that would be mm -hmm. that seem less likely to be hit in this specific abbreviated season. And so, I mean, I think that that's, that it's, it's such a delicate balance and, you know, obviously Cespedes feels a certain way and um, you know, he's been out for two years. Like, it, and the other, the other really interesting aspect to this whole thing is that Brody Van Wagenen, the, the GM of the, the Mets is Cespedes' former agent. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you would think that he has a full context of the man, the player, um, you know, the motivations around everything that Cespedes does. And uh, I'm guessing that that was a trigger for Cespedes uh, to just straight up not show up, you know, like that he may not have done that given a different professional context. So um, it's just, it's a fascinating dance that some of these teams and players have to negotiate. And, uh, I don't envy either side, honestly. It's it's a very tough situation. But Cespedes, yeah, I mean, you've got to show up to work. Now the benefit of the doubt is squarely out of his hands. No question. Uh, so like I said, we don't have the time that we have had in other weeks, so I'm going to jump over a couple of these things, uh, including that Roberto Asuna needs Tommy John, that Mike Soraka is out for the season with a torn Achilles. I want to go to Los Angeles. Well, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim specifically – and talk about Shohei Otani. He's been diagnosed with a grade one, one to two strain of the flexor pronator mass in his right arm. Otani's made two starts this season, lasting just a combined 1.2 innings while walking eight and giving up seven en route to a 6.6 .6 ERA and a 30, or 6.6 .6 whip and a 37.8 ERA. Uh, also wasn't doing much better at the plate where he had 27 at bats for a 148 batting average and a 179 OBP. 
how concerned should we be about Otani? Uh, I mean, if you're thinking about the Otani that the Angels signed, and this was always, we've been hitting this for years now, like this was always just sort of like almost too good to be true, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's proving to be that way. I think that, you know, the batter, Otani the batter, and really Otani the pitcher historically have been good players individually, but in concert, the pitcher has deprived the batter of his full value. And, um, you know, it's, it's really disappointing. And, you know, for an Angels team that I think obviously they signed Anthony Rendon for a reason. They, they made some big splashes this offseason, hoping to capitalize. I mean, Cole Calhoun's another one. I had hoping to capitalize on, you know, adding Joe Madden and, and having Mike Trout in this window. I mean, Otani, you could very easily argue is the best pitcher on this roster if healthy. Mm-hmm. But he just can't stay healthy, and it's now depriving them of maybe their third or fourth best bat in their lineup, and the bat that probably tilts them from one of the best lineups in all of baseball to, you know, probably a slightly above average one, even with two of the maybe three best hitters in the league. So, I mean, I think that it's impossible to to think about or evaluate the situation in, with Otani as being one side or the other. I mean, you've got to like take into account both, both aspects. And I think that you've got to give up on the dream of Otani as anything more than maybe like a bit pitcher. Mm-hmm. And with the NL now going to the DEH, I mean, there's a chance we don't see Otani pitch more than a couple innings in a season from here on. Right. That's, uh, that's unfortunate because this had the chance to be just a game changer of a player. And uh, totally. I guess it was kind of too good to be true. He just, Man, I know he'd been hurt and he'd been out for a while, but the rust, even in the exhibition games, was mm-hmm. horrible. And this this line that he's shown during the regular season, albeit in 1.2 innings, is indicative of what we've seen from him so far, where he just can't throw the ball over the plate. It's a, it's a disaster, and we hope uh, you know, things turn around for him. However, things aren't completely bad for the Angels. Tonight marks the debut of blue-chip outfielder Joe Adele, the 21-year-old batted 289 and uh, with 359 OBP, 10 home runs, 7 steals in 76 games last season, between high A, double A, and triple A, really got around in the minor leagues. How how excited should we be about Adele's debut? Very excited. I mean, I think you see Luis Robert on the south side of Chicago and, you know, kind of a similar athletic profile to Adele. But I think the thing that gives me a little bit more pause with Adele is, uh, you know, he went up, you, you combined the three levels, but he really absolutely smoked double A, but mm. when he got the triple A, which is usually a pretty easy stepping stone, if not an easier stepping stone from double A, um, you know, it's, or an easier level. I, I mean, he, he struggled at triple A last year. And so I think that some growing pains are very possible. I don't know if they're likely though, because of the protection. I mean, it's hard to emulate having Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon around you. In a, well, he doesn't have uh, one of those guys right now. Well, not, not right away, but yeah. we're expecting uh, – Trout's in Seattle, I believe. So I think that they're expecting him back pretty soon here. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, either way, just even if it's just, you know, Tommy Lasella and Cole Calhoun and some of these other pieces, I mean, I think that it's still a pretty uh, – pretty nice landing spot for Adele. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how he does. I mean, we've seen these uber talents jump up to the majors and perform right away. I mean, you think of the Juan Sotos and the Ronald Acuna Juniors and now Robert. I mean, I think that it's it's certainly possible that Adele hits the ground running literally and figuratively. All right, Anshu, we're going to be right back after a quick break. 
Hey guys, it's Chris and uh, sports are back. And over at Bet Online, you're gonna find all the action you can handle. Major League Baseball has returned, the NBA has returned, the NHL has returned, and we've had boxing and NASCAR and soccer for, for a while now. Bet Online has all of the best odds and lines for the upcoming games or matches. Need more? Bet Online also has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every single day live for you to check out. Looking for something other than sports? Fair enough. Bet Online also has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all of the best props in the business. They're a lot of fun. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Don't forget to use our promo code PODCAST1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, for that new welcome bonus. Head over to BetOnline to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. And don't forget that promo code PODCAST1. BetOnline your online wagering experts. All right, Anshu, we are back. Uh, lots of uh, lots of positive tests, a, a scary amount of positive tests going on, 19 in the Cardinals organization, including Yadier Molina. How do we proceed from here? Like, how? what do we do? This is now two organizations, the Cardinals and Marlins, who have been completely beset by coronavirus outbreaks. The Marlins had 18. It looks like it's going to cap at 18. They've had multiple positive days of uh, multiple days of no tests, uh, no positive tests. Really poorly phrased. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and in addition to that, uh, Isan Diaz opted out because you know he doesn't want to get sick. Um, how, what do we do? I think there are two ways of looking at this. One is it's basically a disaster, which <laughs> obviously um, Rob Manfred has refused to acknowledge. And the other is, is this a contained outbreak that, mm-hmm. you know, that only applied to these two teams? I mean, they played against each other. Um, we also had the Phillies obviously involved and uh, they seem to have some positive tests as well, but they've generally ended up pretty good. Like, I mean, things are looking up. Yeah, they're the back. Phillies. They played baseball you know, yesterday. Back. Right, right. So, you know, there's I think that there's some good and bad to take from this. Obviously, the bad is that the Marlins were completely careless. But maybe the good and this may apply to the to football, too, is like this is about as bad as it could possibly get without suspending the full season. Did you did you really just say that? Did you really just say this is as bad as it could possibly get in 2020? No, no listen, <laughs> it, like as bad as it could possibly get short of like if there was another team that had this the season suspended yeah is what i'm saying this is as bad as it could get up to that threshold where they could maybe quarantine these three or four or five you know affected teams gotcha i think if it was anybody else it would have been it, it's over you know like I, I think i said this last week if it was the cubs or yankees or you know or the dodgers or the red sox mm-hmm. i mean Honestly, I think that we'd be talking about a suspended season, and I think that that, you know, obviously cascades down to the other professional sports and college sports, too. But because of the way that the NBA and the NHL have come out looking, smelling like roses, I think baseball has sort of been able to under, you know, absorb this one horrible situation and kind of quarantine that situation within the context of this entire pandemic. And I think that that's like, we'll see what happens. I, I, I would be shocked if they're able to rebound from another outbreak like this, if it does happen and it seems almost inevitable, but yeah. you got to think that every team is thinking about this a lot more carefully now. 
You hope so. Both of these organizations officially say that they followed all the necessary protocols and got sick anyway. It's yeah, I don't. Uh, I also don't believe that. But you know, what are they? The Cardinals say? were at a casino in Milwaukee. The you know the, yeah. the Marlins were apparently out at bars and restaurants the night before. Like there's there's just no way that they did. And I think that I do think that this was a wake up call. Uh, I don't know that it'll be enough because really it only takes one idiot, you know. And, yeah. Um, and then that can we know what could happen, but I. I don't know. Does this does this make you any more optimistic either about the about the MLB season com- reaching its full completion or football at all in any way? It's good that we weathered the storm, uh, the, at least this initial storm. You know, we saw from the the greatest commissioner in all of sports, Rob Manfred. He said that uh, we could be getting close to pulling the plug on this. And then when he was really pushed on it, he's like, eh, it's not that bad. We can continue. Uh, leadership there is just first rate. Robbie. Um, But yeah, well, the NFL has changed their rules a little bit today, sort of in accordance to this too, allowing players to be called up from the practice squad as, as much as 90 minutes before the start of an NFL game. Do if, you know, in the case of coronavirus outbreaks and stuff like that, I'm, Oh God, I don't, I don't know if I'm optimistic, man. I just, I have such a hard time figuring out how football is going to make this work. But if if we can just play this game where you know we we tolerate four five six guys a week missing games because of coronavirus for any given team, then I think we can get through it. I I, I just the the problem is baseball is it, that schedule can be a lot more flexible than a football schedule. We can't have you know we're not going to play <laughs> if it if very true if it were up to Rob Manfred and he were the commissioner of football, we'd be playing I don't know like. 40 minute double headers for no. <laughs> on, on Sunday afternoons to make up games. But right. it, it's just tough. And I think we're going to have to understand that if we run into a scenario where say, you know, the, the Los Angeles chargers have 11 guys with coronavirus and they don't have time to contract uh, contact, you know what I mean? Contact trace and, um, and do all the pro- appropriate testing, you're just going to have to understand that, well, that's a forfeit. We can't risk this entire team. We can't risk the whole league because one team was reckless. I think that's the, a really good way of putting it. I think the way it has to go is if there's a concern, there's a forfeit. That's it. Yep. End of story, period, no discussion. If you try and play games and you get multiple teams infected, oh, God, that's it's going to be hard. We're going to see, uh, you know, we're going to see through training camp if we can get by without major outbreaks on teams, it's going to make me feel better. Uh, I know football is certainly going to do everything possible to play the games. So, uh, you know, it's a fingers crossed optimism right now. Um, but in terms of football, the thing that I think we really need to talk about is what happened in the Pac-12 this week. The, the Pac-12... Uh, the players come together to write a, an article on The Athletic entitled with the hashtag We Are United, basically writing a long piece laying out their concerns for playing a season and their demands for how they would like to carry on. I want to read some of these right now because some of these are game changers and you know, some of them seem like the, the most logical thing to do. And this is this falls under the Pac-12 football unity demands to protect and benefit both scholarship and walk-on athletes. Section one, health and safety protections, COVID-19 protections. 
One, allow option not to play during the pandemic without losing eligibility or a spot on a team's roster. Basically, guy doesn't want to play, he's not comfortable, gets to come back next year and do it all over again with the same level of eligibility. That seems fair. Two, although it's kind of a logistical problem. Two, prohibit void COVID-19 agreements that waive liability. This is because some of the the players are pissed off that they're being asked to sign waivers that are basically basically taking away their right to sue should they get sick from coronavirus. Way to it's a good look for college sports. Two, protect all sports. Preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures. One, Larry Scott, administrators and coaches to voluntarily and drastically reduce excessive pay. Two, end performance academic bonuses. Three, end lavish faculty expenditures and use some endowment funds to preserve all sports. As an example, Stanford University should reinstate all sports discontinued by tapping into their $27.7 billion endowment. Seems fair. Three, end racial injustice in college sports and society. Seems harder to get this done, but fair enough. One, form a permanent civic engagement task force made up of our leaders, experts of their choice, and university and conference officials to address uh, outstanding issues such as racial injustice in college sports and society. Two, partner with the Pac-12. Two percent of conference revenue would be directed by players to support financial aid for low-income black students, community initiatives, and develop programs for college athletes on campus. Three, form annual Pac-12 Black College Athlete Summit with guaranteed representation of at least three athletes of our choice from every school. Here's where it gets interesting. Four, economic freedom and equity. Guaranteed medical expense coverage. One, medical insurance should be selected by players for sports-related medical conditions, included COVID-19 illness, to cover six years of college athletics eligibility. Uh, cover six years after college athletics eligibility ends. Two. Oh, sorry, not two. Name, image, and likeness rights and representation. This is something we've already kind of seen moving forward. Uh, the freedom to secure representation, basic, uh, receive basic necessities from a third party and earn money from the use of our name, image, and likeness rights. Fair market pay rights and freedoms. One, distribute 50% of each sport's total conference reven- revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports. This is going to be a nightmare. Two, six-year athletic scholarships to foster undergraduate and graduate degree completion. Three, elimination of all policies and practices restricting or deterring our freedom of speech, our ability to fully participate in charitable work, and our freedom to participate in campus activities outside of the mandatory athletics participation. Four, ability of players of all sports to transfer one time without punishment and additionally in cases of abuse or serious negligence. Five, ability to complete eligibility after participating in the pro draft if a player goes undrafted and foregoes professional participation within seven days of the draft. Six, due process rights. So they want a lot. They want 50% of the total revenue from conference games for their collective sports and, you know, medical insurance. The medical insurance seems like a no brainer, but there's no way they're going to get this money. No, I mean, I, I applaud them for trying to take advantage of a vulnerable time to try to take back some of the rights that, you know, they deserve as student athletes and for trying to protect the other sports when they don't really have that. I mean, I guess it's this is the Pac-12 student athlete group in its entirety, right? So yeah. it's not just football players. I mean, I, I think it's definitely respectable and, and laudable actually that they're that they're going after that, but 
you know, I, I mean, this is one of those shoot for the moon, maybe land amongst the stars situations, right? Like you, you try to, to aim high. And um, I, I mean, I think that a lot of them are, I think that really none of them are unreasonable. It's just a matter of like how much are, you know, conferences and schools going to be willing to tap into their money during an incredibly vulnerable time financially for them. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's, in one way, it's really an interesting time to try to capitalize on this. And in another, it's like the worst time ever, you know, like, yeah, this does not feel like a time where they're going to be giving on the financial side. But I think from like a civil rights perspective, a lot of those, if not all of them will be, I don't want to say conceded, but I think that those, I think that those are, you know, those sure. are very much within the realm of likelihood for, for being granted. I yeah. just don't know about the rest. I don't want to be controversial, and I the last thing I want to I want to come off as is anti student athlete, but they're never in a million years going to get or should get 50% of the total conference revenue uh, um, evenly among the players, because look, that's just not fair. That's just yeah. that there's there's never going to be a fair way to do that, and also you know the school. I mean, can, professional the, leagues don't do that. Right. <laughs> like, the, the school can afford to give a hundred people scholarships because they're making this money. You know, right. I I know I know college sports are a cash cow for the university, but fifty percent is is crazy. If if you came back and said, oh, we want ten percent of the money or fifteen percent, and we we want to break Any it down, money. sure, and we want to break it down evenly like this amongst all of the athletes participating in college sports then okay fair but well i think that's where the likeness uh note that you mentioned comes into play like fine if you're not going to give us this then at least allow us to go out and find the money on our own and you know that's only like the tiniest percentile yeah. of players but at least like college video games you know but give them that comes next year anyway yeah right i mean that's right so i i guess I'm not sure. Yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe there's like additional layers or there may, weren't there limits around how much they can make as far um, as from their likeness? I think there were, I think there sure, are some yeah. caveats to that. But anyways, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's laudable for them to go after all this, but I think in the end it's, it's going to be, uh, I don't know if they'll be disappointed or not or what their realistic expectations are, but obviously a lot of these are uh, pie in the sky. Well, the moral of all of this is that these, this these guys are basically saying give us this or we're not going to play and this is something that you know trevor lawrence himself has retweeted as well standing with them now who knows whether or not that actually comes to bear that he stands with them should they decide to opt out but the threat of opting out obviously has to be taken very seriously do you think you know and i believe during the show last week we saw our first opt out of the college season and killed fairly mm-hmm. do you think we see a number of players opt out because of this. I don't know about because of this, but loosely tangentially related. Right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Rashad Bateman uh, declared oh, yeah. from Minnesota receiver that might go in the second round, probably day two type of receiver. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely think we, it's going to go one of two ways. Either there's going to be an absolute wave of declarations, which we're, I think we're starting to see the tip of that iceberg mm-hmm. or, you know, or it'll go the other way. And, the, and you know, the, the players at the contending universities will stay. I I tend to think it will be the latter. I don't think we're going to see a massive wave, especially from contending teams. 
But you might see something like what we see with opt-outs of like college games where players just say like, I'm, I'm not going to play in this bowl game. I'm going to go, you know, trade for the draft. I think you're likelier to see that type of percentage personally. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the coming weeks. That's going to be, if, if there's even a state season, obviously the ultimate game. Well, I mean, you know, everybody has put forward their seasons for how they're going to play, including some that even have one out of conference game. So we uh, we shall see. It does seem a little optimistic right now, but it sure would be great if it happened, is uh, is, yeah. is what I'm going to say. We're mm-hmm. up against our time limit here, so that's going to be it for this week's episode of uh, The Underdog. For Anshu Khan, I'm Chris Forwardell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next time.